Support for this podcast and the following message come from Gaia.com, the on-demand streaming TV service that helps you achieve your highest potential at your convenience. To get your first month at only 99 cents, visit GAIA.com forward slash My 7 Chakras. My 7 Chakras, episode 228. The visible body just happens to be where the wave function of the organism is most dense. Invisible quantum waves are spreading out from each of us and permeating into all other organisms at the same time each of us has the waves of every other organism entangled within our own makeup the seven chakras swirling vortices of energy positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head for thousands of years this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, founder of and the voice behind My 7 Chakras, the show where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will help you find your life's purpose. So if you have deep-rooted questions about the mysteries of the universe and the mysteries within you, then you are at the right spot. Now, before we move on, I've got a quick announcement to make. Have you downloaded the My 7 Chakras reading list yet? If not, make sure you check it out. I know that many of you listen to the show while in transit, while you're traveling. So it becomes hard to keep note of all the amazing books shared on air. So I decided to put it all together for you in a convenient PDF that you can download and print as well. To download the 21 must-read spiritual reading list. All you have to do is visit our website, my 7 forward slash reading list. That's my 7 forward slash reading list. And if you feel there's a book that needs to be on that list, let me know via Facebook or email. My ID, as always, is aj at my 7 That's aj at my 7 And with that out of the way, it's time to bring you our featured guest for today, Kyle Davis. So Kyle, are you ready to inspire? I sure am, AJ. Thanks for having me on. It's absolutely great to be here. Awesome. So Kyle Davis is a chartered psychologist, therapist, coach, speaker, and author. He is the creator of Energy Flow Coaching, a mind-body approach to help people achieve optimum well-being and experience greater personal freedom. He has spent the last 15 years helping sufferers of chronic health challenges such as chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, irritable bowel syndrome, depression and anxiety recover their health and lead fulfilled lives. So Kyle, thank you so much for joining me today. It's such a pleasure to have you on. That's, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? All those things that I do. I just hope I live up to that. Well, absolutely. <laughs> and I our- say today. And our listeners are sure that you're going to deliver some valuable nuggets for them to be able to take action. But let's start with some inspiration. My question is, what is your favorite inspirational quote and how does that apply in your life? Okay, so this is this is my quote and you'll have to let me know whether you think this is inspirational. It's a quote from uh, an author called Mai Wan in her book, The Rainbow and the Worm, The Physics of of organisms and it says the visible body just happens to be where the wave function of the organism is most dense invisible quantum waves are spreading out 
trapped from each of us and permeating into all other organisms. At the same time, each of us has the waves of every other organism entangled within our own makeup. And that the, the reason I guess that sort of inspires me is it inspires my work. And it's the, that notion that we're all connected. And, and even though we can't see that and very often we don't feel it, we are. And allowing ourselves to entertain that idea and be in that space, uh, I think, is is a useful place to start. That we are, as, as Deepak Chopra said, we're waves on, on an ocean, which is probably another great inspirational quote. And we can see ourselves as individuals, yet still uh, connected to each other. Wonderful. I love Love that quote. Uh, it's a beautiful quote because it says that we are all connected in ways that we can't quite explain, but we have these uh, magical moments where we seem like we're more and more connected each day. And that's what we speak a lot about during our show uh, as we get in touch with our spiritual side, but as, as well as our mental, physical and emotional side, which are all intertwined interconnected and that's something we're going to learn more about today so thanks for sharing that uh, really profound quote with us uh, kyle uh, and with that let's dive in my question is what made you name your new book the intelligent body oh wow that's a good question to start isn't it and thanks for getting straight in there with the book <laughs> so i don't have to plug it because you're already doing it of course i think <laughs> this is this is my sense of it is that uh, i feel the as a as a as a culture most certainly in the west and i guess you could tell us what it's a little bit what what's it like, what you know how different it is in in asia but certainly in the west we're very thinking orientated and we have this sense that uh, even without really thinking about it, i i my senses are our default stance our default position on almost everything is to think about everything and to run everything through our thinking brain and there's this idea that our thinking brain controls everything controls the the body and and all of our life and it's all about the brain and and this is is in i don't know the last 20 years it seems to be more popular neuroscience is getting bigger and bigger and whilst there are some fantastic you know, ideas and, you know, science is, is, does some amazing things. My sense is that there's an intelligence within our body and we neglect that at our peril. So a, a, an awful lot of my work is inviting people to get back into their body and to feel uh, and to begin to believe that there is there's a wisdom an innate wisdom that permeates the entire body and probably beyond it as well as we heard you know in that quote so rather than uh, allowing ourselves to fixate in our mind in our thinking brain and assume that intelligent activity is resides solely in the brain I think that I think it's important for us to look at there being intelligence within the body so so because I say because that's a, a huge thrust of my work that was that was the thoughts behind uh, titling the book the intelligent body wonderful so thanks a lot for sharing that like you mentioned we are very thinking oriented and that's not just in the west I think all top cities these days whether it's in Japan or Australia or India for example Mumbai because it's such a 
you know metropolitan city there's so much uh, business going around people have to think fast on their feet and they don't really have time so to speak and we're always thinking and thinking and thinking and uh, your uh, uh, you know suggestion is to realize that intelligence is not just located within the brain but it it's in our body and that seems to be the missing link so could you uh, help us understand a bit further how exactly are the mind and body connected? Well, that, that's a that's a very good question. And just taking a, a step back from that is this idea that the mind and body are, are separate came from really what was a worldview assumption. So rather than it being something factual, it was a way of looking at the world. So it probably goes back to the time of uh, Aristotle. But the person that made the idea of a mind-body split very popular was René Descartes. And at the time, they were this was early science. And what they were looking to do was obviously explain life. Uh, and there was a sense that, well, uh, if we look at animals, they're kind of like machines. And the human body is, well, that's kind of like a machine as well. We can break it apart into separate bits of arms and legs and things like that. But because they were Christian, they and believed that man was made in God's image and man had a soul, there needed to be something that was distinctly different. There needed to be this part of, of man that was that connected him with God. So this was mm. this was soul and soul and mind were kind of the same thing really so this is why we had the mind body split because the 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 body was this thing that could be split apart but the soul could never be split apart it was it's sort of uh ethereal really and that is where that originated from certainly as we see it today and it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because it was what they were trying to do, as we do in every age, is we try to make sense of life. Mm-hmm. So what, what's kind of, for me, what's interesting about it is in, in, the, in the hundreds of years since, science has tried to remove God from the equation altogether. So what we've been left with is, whereas you go back to kind of Aristotle and Plato and up to Descartes, and the word uh, psyche meant something spiritual it connected to soul and mind somehow had that that connection with soul as well when we as we come up through the the ages and god being removed then the mind is this kind of nebulous thing and Mm-hmm. And if we look at it now, it's it's actually it's, you couldn't define it really. There's there is no agreed uh, idea of what mind is, where mind begins and ends. But what we're left with, as your average man in the street, is that well, the mind and body are separate, aren't they? And the thing that I experience is that even though um, people sometimes say to me or very often say to me that they believe that the mind and body are not separate when it comes to uh, looking at life looking at health looking at maybe if they've got symptoms because obviously i work with it with a lot of people with health problems they still will say oh yeah but if you're talking about stress or emotion that's all in my mind isn't it how does that relate to physical symptoms so Coming back to your question of, right, well, how are they linked? I think stress is probably the best way of, of, of talking about how the mind and body are one or the brain and body are one. And the, the way of doing that is, is when we can understand that there's a stress response within the body. 
and, 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 and the brain. And the stress response in the body and brain is exactly the same regardless of whether you have an emotional build-up, whether you have um, some sort of infection or whether you have an injury. So you could have a car accident, you could have a bad case of flu or you could lose a job. And the stress response triggered in the body is exactly the same. So for me, that really begins to show that, uh, well, we are, we're one interconnected flowing system. The idea that the, the brain is separate somehow or the body is separate or there's this mind bit that's separate it is just not useful. And especially when it comes to health, I think it's not useful. I think it's very important that we see ourselves as one flowing uh, s- system, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And love that you said that a lot of people have this question about where does the mind begin and where does it end? That's a question that everyone uh, seems perplexed at it. Uh, but like you mentioned, the stress response within the body is same action tribe, whether it is a physical injury or a flu or an emotional outbreak, the stress response within the body is pretty much the same. And so, uh, Kyle, could you help us understand the difference between uh, an emotion and the difference between an emotion and a thought because that is something a lot of people have in their minds they are not able to differentiate between the two uh, because you would assume that an emotion, an emotion start- is, yeah that's okay that so this is this is interesting isn't it I, I i think i think all of this stuff is really interesting because one of the difficulties we face with, with this with this sort of work uh, in, in in this field is the fact that people define things in different ways Mm. and people have their own sort of preconceived ideas about what things mean now the word thought means a variety of different things to a variety of people you have some people that will say that thought is a flow of energy that exists outside of of the body uh you get some people that say well thought is something conscious with Within you within your within your brain um I, I, my sense of it is that as long you know uh, in in debating these things it's as long as we agree on what we're talking about we have a starting point i tend to prefer to look at thoughts and thinking as being something that's sort of conscious so it may be just outside of our, our, our awareness or our conscious awareness but generally so you know th- you can often find that there's a there's a white noise of, of hazy thought that we're mm. not quite aware of but it's sort of there uh, and then you obviously have conscious thoughts that you are aware of so i, I prefer to define thinking you know in, in a or thought in a reasonably tight way like that when we get into all the kind of unconscious stuff, I wonder whether that's something a bit different. So that's that's thought. Now, how is that's thought from my perspective? Now, how is thought different from emotion? Well, one thing we know from neuroscience now is that our cognitive processing is slower than our emotional processing. So basically, mm-hmm. all of our emotions affect all of our all of our thoughts. So. Now, it's a very complex picture because we all know that we can think about things and have emotions as well. But to begin with, the the, the, the texture and color, coloring, if you will, of your thinking is largely influenced by your emotion. Now, emotion and feeling are slightly 
different. I often I often t- uh, talk about our emotional feelings, lumping them together. But neuroscience is telling us that they they are a little bit different. The structures involved in the production of them are a little bit different. So emotion is a non-conscious process that involves basically all of your body. So we have uh, neurons in our heart and in, in our gut and this is the idea of a gut feeling is literally uh, intelligent activity within within your gut so we know that we know that there's this flow of, of, of uh, information throughout body and brain but the to begin with when emotion is triggered it's a non-conscious process so the gut could be involved the heart could be involved in the non-thinking part of the brain that then floods through and affects the thinking part of the brain so when emotion is then triggered what's supposed to happen is almost immediately we have feelings so you know most people are aware of if there's a feeling of anger in their body they feel as a tightness say or a um, something heavy or you know a a clenching or a constricting feeling and people are kind of uh, you know are aware of that but the the emotion triggers that feeling it's also possible for us to suppress our feelings where we get to the point where we don't actually feel them and this is i guess this is what what an awful lot of my work is about is that Mm. even though we know we're able to redirect our attention away from feeling and almost stop feeling or certain feelings it doesn't stop our emotions being produced so emotions are always there underneath and will always affect our thinking so much of my work is 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 based on the idea that uh, a lot of our thinking i i think there is an end energy to life you know part of this you know go back to this quote from deepak where waves are on, on, on an ocean there is an energy to life and i think that can affect our thinking as well so there's energy that comes outside of us and comes it comes into us but our emotion and that energy of life generally in my mind is what results in our thinking i'm i'm not convinced that we can particularly affect our thinking and much of my work is about based on the idea that, right, well, what we need to do is get into the body and feel and respond to our emotion rather than trying to change our thinking. And I know that, you know, a lot of people don't like that idea because we've had many years of this, you know, and there's a whole field, there's an industry based on the idea of change your thinking, change your life. Right. Uh, but for me, whilst there can be some some benefits in the short term, and I think short-lived uh, uh, benefits of changing changing one's thinking, my sense is that it's it's not the most effective way, either of of improving your health, improving your well-being, but also crucially of releasing your potential or living your potential. Uh, my sense is that if we really want to unleash all of who we can be we've got to go beyond the thinking brain we've got to tap into what i would call our true self which is this wisdom throughout our body and brain and beyond so it's something beyond thinking and my sense is that if we get caught up in trying to change our thinking for some short-term gain then ultimately we're probably restricting ourselves so when i started out my first therapy clinic i opened in 1999 and i'd done a you know i a whole host of, of different types of trainings and I was very much a uh, a cognitive based uh, practitioner so sure. you know I was my my focus was on you know getting in people's thinking and changing their thinking and moving their 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 
you know, their words and their pictures around in their head and all that that sort of stuff. And what I found, my, my experience of it was that people were getting really frustrated. If they got any benefit, it didn't seem to last. And it was just really, really hard work. So that was when I began to move my work more to a body-centered place and, uh, uh, place and started to look at uh, the role of emotion. And it was working with people with uh, things like uh, f- fibromyalgia, CFS, adrenal fatigue, irritable bowel syndrome, because a lot of those sufferers had been um, had had been offered uh, cognitive behavioral therapy as part of their, you know, their, their package of treatment. And for the most part, none of them got better. But when they started working with myself and my colleagues, they were getting better. And we were saying, yeah, but we're working on, on, on our uh, feelings, our emotions, but we're not working on thinking. So there's got to be something in there's got to be, then there's got to be something wrong with that model that suggests that, thinking leads to emotional feelings and then that's when we began to see from from science that in actual fact yes it is the case that our emotional processing is much much faster and therefore influences everything that we 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 think about so that's a pretty much a that's a very protracted answer to your to your question but i guess it's at the it's at the heart of 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 my work and i think it's a pertinent question because a lot of people are still stuck in that in my view stuck in that moment of thinking and i need tools and techniques to change my thinking and i'm saying okay well you may get a short-term gain from that but i think in terms of really uh long-term health and unleashing all of your potentials it's we need to transcend that those 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 techniques of altering thinking patterns but i know there'll be a lot of people out there that will just say i'm talking nonsense well Action Tribe, and thanks a lot for sharing that uh, answer. I loved your response, first of all, Kyle. Action Tribe, cognitive processing is slower than emotional processing, which means that your emotions affect your thoughts. Emotion is a non-conscious process because it can get triggered in the gut or the heart, away from the brain. Those organs can be involved, and those trigger feelings. And sometimes we suppress our feelings, which is a challenge. But when you share that, Kyle, when you, sh- when you, when you share your response, what came to my mind was uh, what Tony Robbins said. Uh, and he mentioned that if you want to change the way you're thinking, uh, don't just focus on the thoughts. Focus on the way you are using your body. Change the way you're moving. And that will affect your thinking. And that's an easier yeah. and more effective way of going about things. So since we're on the topic of emotion, could you talk to us about the role that our emotions play on our overall health? Now, from my perspective, our emotion is is, is absolutely huge. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, if we go back to what we were talking about earlier about stress, and I'm saying that stress can be triggered by you know, the, by a whole host of things, mm-hmm. the, the way I look at it in terms of the way I work with, with, with my clients is a very, very simple idea that we have a stress bucket inside, and when our stress bucket gets full, our body begins to send... Uh, some form of symptom and we know that's kind of true because our autonomic nervous system can become uh, overactive our our endocrine system our uh, immune system so all they can all go a bit wrong and they Mm. tend to go a bit wrong when the body is in a perpetual state of stress now i I think you know we we kind of talked earlier about a bad case of flu or a a car accident but they tend to be one-offs and people tend to know when they happen whereas what often happens and it can happen through trauma or it can just happen through trying to fit in with life is that we can very easily 
develop a pattern of blocking our emotional feelings. And uh, a kind of example of this is that there's a, a great book I read years ago, which is called Healing without Pro- healing without prozac and freud by a psychiatrist i think he's called dr david servan schreiber and in his book he describes uh, an experiment that he, he was doing looking at uh, emotion in the brain and body and what he was doing was showing people disturbing films and while he was doing that he was measuring their heart rate the blood pressure and the the uh, activity of the emotional part of the brain and he had this one lady in and he said as she was well, Watching this, this film, she was her heart rate was really high and a, a kind of a blood pressure was getting higher, and there was a huge amount of, of, of activity within her brain. And he's thinking, Oh my god, this woman is really, really stressed. I'm gonna have mm. to go and check she's all right. So he he goes into the lab and he says, Are you okay? Shall I turn this off? And she looks at him with this element of surprise on her face and she says, Oh, I, I feel perfectly fine, I'm quite happy watching this. And he was mm. sort of shocked because he's thinking, my God, but all of all of the these metrics are showing that you're you're in a your body and brain are in a state of stress, but you're not aware of that. So that's for me, you know, he was saying, well, obviously that's possible to happen, so that's probably somebody who's not in touch. I would say that's potentially somebody that could get ill because if if we when we don't feel our emotional feelings, basically our stress bucket gets full, and when our stress bucket is full then we have some form of symptom it could be anxiety it could be depression it could be back pain it could be migraines it could be chronic fatigue syndrome fibromyalgia so i work with kind of all of those that range of of health problems and it's it is it's based on that very simple idea that our stress bucket is full now yes if we have a bad diet or if we drink too much or if we don't sleep right and all these sorts of things then they go in the stress bucket as well. But I think they're, they're a reasonably easy fix. You, you know, people kind of know if that stuff is happening. And the thing is, is, you can sort out your diet, you can sleep well, you can be exercising, and you can still be really, really ill. And that's, that's generally what I found over the years, is, is that I guess because my work is new, is that people tend to have tried pretty much everything else before they, get, they, they see me. And it's often the case that people have they've they've sorted out their their, their diet they've cut out loads of things that you know they're, they're they're taking extra tablets and potions and whatnot to try to boost their energy and immune system all these, these sorts of things and they may be exercising if they can but they're still unwell and it's only when we get into that massive part which is our emotional feelings and how they 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 get suppressed uh the they really begin to kind of take shape and get well again so that i think the uh i think the 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 link is absolutely massive i I think that you know certainly when i was at uni 30 years ago uh emotion was not something we did and Mm. i i think one of the things is I think it's slipped between the nets, really, because I, th- I think when, it, when it's come to, to medicine, because it's not something you can easily measure, medicine is, has not been interested because that's, that's it, that looks at the body as a machine still. Uh, and when it comes then to psychology, that initially wanted to look at behavior and then it wanted to look at thinking processes. So, again, emotion was sort of pushed around and not really dealt with. So there are theories about it within uh, a- 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 academia but it's not it's it's only recently really that people are starting to take an interest and look at emotion its its effect on this on stress 
and how that affects health. And I think, you know, this it seems to be increasing interest in in the role of of trauma on health now. And there was a huge piece of research done uh, some years ago where they and I can't think of the name of the researcher, but there were literally thousands and thousands of people that went through this this uh, study. But it tracked essentially it tracked through. Uh, trauma from childhood and looked at chronic health problems in older life and it Mm. found that basically everyone that had a health problem you know uh, at some point later in their life had a degree of of, of trauma early in their life so that they they called these adverse childhood experiences and they kind of rated them and you know and and if if you if, if you had sort of four aces as they called them there was a certain type of health problem you'd have and if you had more then they'd be you'd be looking at cancers and, and heart disease and these these sorts of things and whilst it's not saying exclusively that trauma and therefore emotional stress is the single and only cause of these things because it isn't because i think i think we have to get away from that idea that there's a single cause of things because obviously i think when it comes to health problems it's a very complex picture but uh, when it, we're looking at trauma, when we're looking at our emotion, because usually what happens is if we start blocking emotion when we're younger, the pattern of blocking emotion continues. So going back to that lady in that experiment where she wasn't aware of how she felt, there's every chance that at some point earlier in her life she would have learned to block those emotional feelings and she's still doing it. And I think that's the kind of essence of my work is that it's that tricky thing of people don't realize they're doing it and it's only when they it's almost like it's too late that they begin to have some sort of health challenge that mm-hmm. then we have to look at all right well yeah there's there's patterns you've got behavioral patterns patterns of the way you you are with yourself the relationship you have with yourself that is resulting in the blockage of that energy of you which is your emotional flow so in my mind, uh, our emotion, and I think we're going to see this more and more over the next kind of five years and ten years. I think we're, we're, we're at that stage at the moment. And I, I've been seeing changes this year, but we've over the last few years, it seemed to me that uh, people have wanted to believe that our nutrition is 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 the thing that causes all health issues. And if you can sort that out, you can basically sort anything out. Of course, what I've seen over the last 15 years is that simply isn't the case because people have all have, have, have got that bit kind of dialed down. You know, they've got their diet absolutely sorted. So nutrition and exercise, whilst being kind of key, key pillars to health, they absolutely are not the sole pillars. And I think what we're going to see, as I say, there inc- seems to be increasing uh, interest in the role that our, our emotional feelings and stress play in overall health. Got it. So what I'm getting is uh, sometimes through childhood, people get used to blocking their feelings, blocking their emotions. And uh, over a period of time, it becomes a new normal for them in such a way like the example that you shared. They don't even realize that they might have a level of stress. Now, uh, many of our listeners are busy people. They've got families to manage. They've got a job and they travel a lot. And at the same time, they want to ensure that they are on top of things health wise. Uh, But many of our listeners feel fatigued at the end of the day or towards the end of the day. So uh, help me understand what's the difference between fatigue and chronic fatigue. Uh, I think that, uh, that we all have a healthy tiredness. And I think there's a difference between a healthy tiredness and a groggy fatigue symptom. Now, 
most people have probably had a mild groggy fatigue symptom. So if they've been somewhere and they've been maybe particularly bored or dejected or unfulfilled. So if if you're a listener and you're you are in a job that you really dislike, there may be certain points that you've had it's on certain days when you felt pretty much exhausted. And the chances are that that's not a healthy tiredness. That's probably an emotional symptom of fatigue. So I think that we've we've all had the experience of what I would say is a symptom of fatigue. When it comes to chronic fatigue syndrome, essentially the brain becomes overactive. So the immune system, the autonomic nervous system and the endocrine system are dysfunctional, essentially, as I was as I was saying earlier. And as a result of that, what it, what it means is that the body is working incredibly hard to try to restore balance. And because it's working incredibly hard, it, it means that everything is is amped up. So, uh, you know, if, if I have a person with a food intolerance, say, when they have chronic fatigue syndrome, that what they will experience is is a hundred times worse. So, what? So, if you take a, a person who is uh, is healthy but they, they know what a, what a groggy symptom fatigue is like, somebody with chronic fatigue syndrome will, will have that, that symptom times 10. So they'll be completely and, and, and utterly wiped out. And essentially what happens is, is the body gets to, the body and brain get to a point, as I say, where the brain, certain areas of the brain, of the midbrain, uh, become uh, uh, overactive, really. And as I say, that leads to that, that chain reaction within the uh uh, you know the uh, the um, immune system and whatnot, and then people have have symptoms. So chronic fatigue syndrome again is is a, a whole range of, of of symptoms. It's not just fatigue. Got it. So I love that you made a distinction between the healthy tiredness that people might experience versus the emotionally uh, stimulated uh, fatigue. And you sort of spoke about one of the causes for what this uh, for for this sort of fatigue is maybe a person is not doing a job that he or she likes so there are trigger points that this person experiences maybe throughout the week that lead to chronic fatigue but any other causes for for chronic fatigue any other situations in which a person might experience uh, i I suppose it well it, it depends if you if you are talking about chronic fatigue syndrome as in the health challenge or whether you're just talking about somebody that is is very tired and has low, you know, because I, I, if you talk about chronic fatigue syndrome, as I say, I, I feel that it's it's a body that's in a state of perpetual stress. Now, yeah. I think the, the 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 biggest cause of that full stress bucket is our emotional stress, you know, all those emotions that have got stuck. But there will be, it's almost like, a, I look at it like a combination lock of causes that there's not a single cause there's a number of causes our, our, our genes or, or natural wiring will play a role as i say there will be other factors like diet and these sorts of things that which play a role as well so i, I think that there are there are probably a number of causes and i think that's the same to any chronic health problem there are a number of of, of causes um obviously because of the type of work I do I'm looking at things from a certain perspective and I recognize that but my you know you can't be an expert in absolutely everything as well but you know I, I I find that when people work with me they get either completely well or almost there and when we look at what are the conventional approaches to to treating chronic fatigue syndrome fibromyalgia 
adrenal fatigue, these sorts of things. Well, there aren't really any, you know, there aren't any mainstream ways of, of, of dealing with these. It's usually they're offered uh, some some form of drugs, be it painkillers, be it sleeping tablets and whatnot. So people are generally told that if they have one of these uh, issues, that it's going to stay with them. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm moving away from your, your question there. Uh, which I can't remember what it was. AJ, bring me back. Bring me back to the question. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think in terms of the listener over here. So, for example, the listener might have stress, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, by not might not be able to sort of resonate it with resonate with it. So, uh, you, you said that you know a job, a, a person who is doing a job that he or she does not like, that could be one situation in which a person has chronic fatigue. But I just wanted to know any other situations, any other causes that might uh, lead to chronic fatigue. I, I think I probably need to, to to take a step back and give a bit more theory on this one, because um, my work is is based on the idea that we're kind of creating our experience. Our emotional experience largely comes from inside of us. And even though I was saying earlier that there is an energy of life, there's a flow of life, so we pick up on the energy of of life. Uh, However, in saying that, much of our emotional experience, the majority of our emotional experience is coming from inside of us. Part of it is our natural wiring. Part of it is, is the meaning that we imprint upon life. Part of it is the way that we interact with life on a daily basis. So emotion is feedback to a certain extent about our, our you know, the things that we're doing, the way we interact with life. So um, I think it's important that uh, we we take that position where we believe that my feeling experience is something that arises within me. It's not that life causes me to feel certain things. And, you know, that that's generally how most people see it, is that, you know, it's my job that makes me stressed. My boss makes me angry. And I'd say it isn't, it's not that it's like that. It's that this, this vibrationally exists already within you mm-hmm. and it may well be that if you think your boss is is making you angry it may well be that there's something about your energy the the you know go back to the quote at the start the vibrations that you're 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 kind of uh putting out there that is pulling in something that is then resonating and triggering anger so ultimately our emotion is really all about us and I, I think so that's I think that's the important thing. And, and it's what leads to problems is that when we bury that emotion and, and we often do that by either just pushing it down or by blaming the context. So if I were to blame my boss and say my boss is just an asshole, you know, he's he, you know, I just don't like him. He, he makes me angry. Then and I'm disempowered. I'm not. I'm not responding to to this to that emotional feeling as if it's as if it's mine. Whereas really, I need to be in that space of this emotion is about me. There's something that I'm. There's something about whatever's going on here that I, I'm. I'm attracting, and it's resonating because that's where I'm vibrating. So if I'm believing that my if i if i think that i'm my boss has made me angry and he's treating me badly then there's something about my resonance my vibration rather than it is it's not about him it's about me so i think it's it's really important to you know to kind of i think be clear about that because we are very much stuck in an 
outside in idea of life that life happens to me and i don't think that's how it works my sense of it is is that you know life is a this it's not that there's a single reality it's our reality is kind of constantly shifting and it's dependent it depends largely upon our level of of vibration our a resonance and that's that is a that affects the feelings that that we have so really our journey is all is all about us it's all about coming back to us so that's why i'm i'm just i'm just a little bit cautious about saying oh yeah but if if, if you have a job you hate or if you have a boss that treats you badly that's going to mean you you know you'll you'll be fatigued or whatever it's ultimately the the bottom line with it is when we suppress or uh, depress or bury our, our true self and our the, the energy flow that is us and our emotional feelings, ultimately our body responds by sending us symptoms. And this is one of the kind of other ideas is that, you know, in my work is that uh, – when our body sends the symptoms, it's not that they're bad, evil uh, invaders that we need to kind of get rid of as quickly as, as possible. Symptoms are really a tap on the shoulder from our body to say your emotion is blocked, your true self, your truth is blocked, your energy flow is blocked, and you need to do something about that. You need to look inside. We may need help to, to look inside, but it's about coming back to, to you. Again, when it comes to healthcare, we tend to, uh, understandably, we want symptoms to be gone as quickly as possible. But in our mechanistic view of symptoms, we tend to look at them as being something that is happening to me. So it's all, again, part of that outside-in notion that this is happening to me. I've got this disease, this condition, rather than the fact that and, – and then we often go to, to our doctor for some pills or potions to try to suppress the symptoms and a huge amount of healthcare is about trying to work on symptoms it's really i, I would say well a symptom when we experience a symptom of any sort it's a messenger you know in the same way as if you're walking down the road and a stone pops in your shoe you feel a, a symptom of pain the pain is a messenger to let you know there's a stone in your shoe that you probably need to take out of your shoe and even though that seems a bit simple i would say the majority of symptoms of health conditions are exactly the same in as much as it's your body intelligent uh, body trying to get your attention to to have you pay attention to what it is you may be missing to some some blockage of yourself or some, some blockage of your emotional flow Wonderful. So uh, thanks a lot for giving us that perspective, uh, Kyle. Now, they say that the body is a chemistry lab, right? So could you help us understand what's happening chemically in the body when we're stressed in, you know, in terms of the different uh, hormones and how they affect our emotions? Uh, I, I, oof, I probably could. Um <laughs> uh, how, how useful is it for us to how useful is it for us to to know that you think or is it uh, more useful for, for us to 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 be aware of the physical sensations that 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 are, uh, that, are that are taking place and to pay attention to those in order that we can do do something uh, i just wanted to get that perspective as well you know i completely understand that it's the the sensations and the response but then you know sometimes uh, it would help, right? Getting getting to know the chemical side of things, uh, so we know what's happening within our body. So, 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 so adrenaline, noradrenaline are the are the main uh, 
steroid hormones, I suppose, uh, that get triggered in our stress response. Okay. They're triggered through what is called the HPA axis, which is the hypothalamus gland, uh, the pituitary gland and the adrenal glands, the hypothalamus and uh, the pituitary are in the brain. The adrenals sit on top of the kidneys. So the HPA axis is absolutely crucial when it comes to stress, the stress response. And what happens Mm -hmm. is when the stress response gets sort of stuck on is the HPA axis is in overdrive. And that's what I was kind of talking about earlier. So chemically, adrenaline and noradrenaline are are, are the key things. I mean, you know, there's a lot that goes on, isn't there? And it's a very complex, uh, you know, uh, uh, picture there. But I I think, you know, crucially, it's the HPA axis that is... uh, um, triggered into a sort of overdrive that is it, that's what's taking place in brain and body when the stress response is stuck on and essentially I, I'm, I, I'm you know my theory is that uh, and the theory of many others or increasing uh, p- uh, uh, people is, is is that the the stress when the stress response remains stuck on then symptoms ensue because the body begins to essentially break down because stress is an is an internal battle um when the stress response is on the body with its uh tendency to self-correct and self-heal is always trying to maintain balance it's trying to come back to its default setting so stress is this battle uh, where the body is trying to come back to its default setting and if it perceives that there's a stressor that can be something you know outside of, of the body or inside when there's a perceived stressor the body is kind of fighting to get rid of that and that and as i say when then if the, if the body believes that that stressor is still there, the stress response can get stuck on. The HPA access is in o- overdrive, and then we have all these uh, health problems that people are experiencing these days. Wonderful. Well, thanks a lot for providing that perspective, Kyle. I know that you know this topic can get really complex very soon, but I really wanted to uh, d- to get our listeners or provide our listeners diff- access to different views. Uh, so, for example, today we've covered the emotional side, the, the mental side, as well as the chemical side so thanks a lot for sharing that uh, the information about the HPA access and I'm sure many of our listeners will do some more research about this just to find some uh, improve enhance their uh, knowledge base in this uh, area now let's talk about the solution now how does someone go about healing these chronic symptoms uh, for someone listening to this uh, episode who uh, associates with uh, chronic stress or chronic uh, stress uh, syndrome. What's this, what's the solution? I, I think that the there's a there's a couple of crucial pieces. I think to start with, it's as we talked at the start of the of, of the show. If we can appreciate that mind and body are one, I, I think that's very useful. My sense of it is that intuitively, people often know when they if they have a symptom what it is and i think that it, it, okay. you know it's almost like if, if you know just to give an example if somebody has a, a bad head at, at the end of a frustrating day at work i think that uh, often that person will know that i felt frustrated and i've kind of maybe i've blocked up that, that frustration and now now i've got this 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 bad head 
what often happens, I think, then is that if that headache persists for a week or two weeks or gets worse, that person sort of stops trusting themselves and the idea that, well, actually, it's probably the same the same problem is 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 present. They then think it's something else, something that's happening to them. And of course, often they'll go to the to to a doctor then, and the doctor will usually give them some meds for that to try to treat the symptom. So I would say a first step is is as well as seeking you know seeking external advice from a medical practitioner, is is do trust yourself as well. Um, I think it's I think it's important for all of us to get in touch with our emotional feelings and you know for me our emotional feelings are they this their feedback like us like i was saying earlier about you know you have pain when a stone pops in your shoe our emotional feedback our you know our emotional feelings our feedback just like hunger is feet is, is you know a feeling a, a rumbling sensation in your stomach for hunger is is, is feedback you know, if you need if you need the bathroom, you have a sensation and you know you need to use the bathroom. You know, if you're tired, you have the same a healthy tiredness. Again, it's a it's it's a feedback tool. So our emotion is the same. A lot of the time, people I think get caught in this thing that emotion is something you've got to talk about and it's something that gets built you know built up in the past. Whereas my sure. sense is that we, you know we need to move beyond that. We need to recognise actually. My emotion, whatever I feel today, is it's just trying to give me a nudge. It's trying to help me navigate through life. And it's not that I necessarily need to talk about my, my, my feelings. What I need to do is pay attention and recognize that in this moment, my feelings are a reflection of me. They may be a, a, a reflection of what I want or what I don't want. So I need to pay attention to them. And that, I would say, is, is, the, is the first bit. My, my sense is that if we were – if we taught – our kids in schools to pay more attention to their feelings to trust their uh, their feelings as as much as we taught them to develop their their you know their their memories and their their thinking skills then i, th- I think our, our health crisis would be would be far you know would be far less than it currently is but as i say you know saying at the start of the show we we from from kids upwards we have this tendency to focus on teaching them how to, to to remember facts you know we don't teach them to trust themselves we don't you know we, well we try to teach them to fit in so we don't we don't teach them to be themselves particularly so uh, you know and even though it sounds incredibly simple and incredibly straightforward we all have a tendency to try to to get on to try to fit in to try to be liked to try to do do the right thing to to try to normalize our feelings oh my god am i okay feeling this i don't want to be the kind of person that feels this i shouldn't feel this we naturally tend to resist our emotional feelings we push them down we suppress them we allow and as, as i was saying earlier our emotion tr- triggers our thinking so we tend to get stuck in thought patterns about how we feel where we try to find meaning we we try to analyze we try to try to resolve our feelings with with thought so it's you know what i would say is at, at a basic step one is to simplify life is to allow life to be simple and believe that everything i feel is okay i'm just going to let myself feel whatever i feel and and if i feel i i i need to take some action on these feelings if i feel if i believe my feelings are pulling me in a certain 
you know, in a certain space or de- de- down a certain avenue, then I'll I'll take that. I'll take those steps. Or if not, if I if I'm not sure, then I'll just let myself feel. I'll allow these feelings to to flow th- through me. And that is is actually much harder to do than 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 it sounds. But that's definitely, I would say, you know, for anyone with with any health issue it's all it's it's you know it's always a a a, a good starting point you know if you want to get i think if you want to unleash all of who you are and unleash your your potential you need to get you need to be in touch with who you are and who you are a big part of who you are is, is those deeper feelings that you that you have so allowing allowing yourself to pay attention to those feelings without trying to solve them i'd say is is definitely a good first step Well, thanks a lot for sharing. Action Tribe, to access the show notes for today's episode, visit our website, my7chakras.com forward slash 228. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 228. And before moving on, a word from our sponsor, Gaia.com. Explore the vast traditions of yoga with the Gaia original series, Yogic Paths. Filmed across India, the 13-episode series captures the beauty of mystical Indian landscapes and never-before-seen ashrams while taking the viewer on a journey through the many traditions of yoga. While the practice of physical postures called asanas is most well-known in the West, understanding the full scope of this rich and varied tradition gives meaning and power to the yoga that we know today. Action Tribe, since you're listening to this show, it's clear that you are interested in topics such as chakras, yoga, and self-realization, and you know exactly where to go for audio content and interviews. And I sure hope you feel this way about our show, My 7 Chakras. But where do you go if you want a streaming TV video service with the same values and similar content? The answer is Gaia.com. To start watching this show, The Yogic Paths, as well as get your first month at Gaia for just 99 cents, visit Gaia.com forward slash My 7 Chakras. That's G-A-I-A dot com forward slash My S-E-V-E-N-C-H-A-K-R-A-S. Stand up to your obstacles and do something about them. You will find that they haven't half the strength you think they have. This is an amazing quote by Norman Vincent Peale, Action Tribe. Sometimes in life when the challenges appear stronger than you, you just have to stand up and show up. You need to express your courage and inner ferocity and really do something about them. Uh, Just pretending like everything is okay will not make the issue go away. In fact, Just building up the emotions or feelings is not even healthy for you, as we're learning today. You just need to look at the challenge, accept that it is there in your life for a reason, and actively find out what you can do about it. What action can you take that might help with overcoming the challenge? Sometimes even a single step in the right direction can help build momentum that will ultimately lead to a avalanche. So don't underestimate the power that resides within you, and remember that you are stronger than your challenges. So Kyle, uh, could you talk to us about one major life challenge that you had to go through in your life? Uh, uh, what was that experience like and what did you learn from that life challenge that you went through? Wow, life challenges. It's funny really because it's difficult to pick to pick out one because life is a series of, of, of challenges. I think one of the, the, the challenges, I, I mean, I think we have life lessons and I think um you know we come in 
we're spiritual beings having this experience on this planet and it's a bit brutal, it's a bit crazy. And I think we have lessons and I think history repeats itself in our lives until we learn the lessons. And I, I, I you know, I'm saying in, in, a, in, a, in a loose sense. Um, a, a challenge for me has been that uh, when I was when I was a boy, my mother would say to me, people take advantage of you. And I would say, yeah, yeah, what, what, whatever. And then and I found that I would I would increasingly have problems. And I was the sort of person that if you asked me a favor, I would immediately say yes. And, mm-hmm. and then at some point later, I'd be agitated. And I realized that this was this was beginning to my kind of niceness, my desire to please others, my desire to uh, make sure everyone else was okay, uh, was allowing others to take advantage of me. And this was having a variety of, of bad effects on me. And I had to, I, I, I guess I, I had the realization that this was, the, was, this was happening, that my, that my mother was right. And I, and I had the realization as well. And, uh, and, and I guess having, you know, I did some research and information was shared with me and it became, came apparent to me that this was a life lesson challenge for me that I needed to be able to to kind of define myself really and to know when uh, it was right for to to do something or to help people and when it was right to to create a boundary and to say no and that it was a huge challenge because I, th- I think because we we have this idea about who we are and this is one of the things I find is really interesting is that this i don't know whether it's ego whether it's part of the mind whether it's the thinking brain whatever it is but there's a part that sort of looks back and based based on our behavior based on what we've done makes an assumption about who we are and it projects this out into to, to you know in, in into the future and for me it was the realization that actually i'm probably not who i think i am and I'm going to have to take some steps to do some things that are uncomfortable here. And in doing that, in feeling that discomfort, I'm probably being truer to who I who I really am. I also so from that point, I then had you know had this sense that actually I'm going to stop trying to define myself, and I'm going to be aware that if I am defining myself, it's probably wrong. So I'm going to be in this space where I believe that I'm far more expansive than I can ever define and i and and recognize that if i'm if i'm getting stuck in patterns i probably need to shift myself so that that was you know there were some really interesting learnings there one was that as i say that uh, i think we have these patterns that repeat themselves and these challenges are life lessons for us and that that was certainly the case for me i i had to go through a, a period of doing what was uncomfortable because it wasn't who i thought i was uh, and, then, and and having that realization, well, actually, what I'm now doing is probably closer to who I really am. But I'm not going to try to define me anymore. I'm going to open up to this idea that there are many aspects to me, and I'm this flowing consciousness that can experience itself in many ways. And uh, you know what I was aware of, even though there was, you know, there's a the the discomfort I felt was a was a fear really was and that's the kind of ego, isn't it? And that's the idea that the ego is coming from a place of scarcity and wants to hold on to what it knows. And if you deviate from that and threaten that, you initially feel fear. But underneath it just feels right. And I guess 
that's that that's that that was again a crucial challenge is learning to go beyond those those uh, surface level fears and go and, and follow what is a deeper level pull an intuitive knowing and that i guess that was the thing is i knew that i needed to change the way i was behaving i knew i needed to change the way i was i was dealing with certain uh, people and that knowing i think was closer to who i was than that that fear but all of it obviously was part of my experience so i kind of i i, I sought to embrace all of it but when it came to right well what's the direction i need to go in it's underneath the sort of surface level emotional feelings to a deeper knowing a deeper resonance a deeper intuitive feeling um so i don't know if that answers the that question but that was it 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 definitely is a tough one because i would i life has always felt like one challenge after the next and certainly in the this this conscious the shift that we're going through now life just feels like a colossal challenge almost all of the time <laughs> so thanks a lot for sharing your story but from your story what is that one major life lesson maybe in just one sentence that you'd like to share with our listeners today i think the the the, the, the major life lesson is is be open to the to the, the possibility that you are far more than you think you are and allow yourself to trust your deeper feelings trust your uh, inner knowings your intuition you know and, and we've all we've all sort of had that so I've, I've gone off my one sentence there haven't i but that would be the it's it's trust that deeper level of you well thanks a lot for sharing kyle really really appreciate you sharing this story with us from your childhood you said when you were young your mom would say that people take advantage of you and you were a nice person you wanted to help others you wanted to please other people but as as a result at some stage you found that people were taking advantage of you uh you realized that your mother was right when you were young and that sort of took you on a quest to learn more about yourself how to find out more about your identity how to create boundaries and say no when it was needed but then as you took more action you realized that maybe you don't really need to define yourself uh there are many aspects to you and as you experience life as you go on this adventure you keep these different aspects of your life keep expressing themselves at different stages so i think that's really profound and i think many of our listeners are probably going through the same uh, experience as well uh, not just having to define themselves uh, but to really be open to the idea that there is far more to us than we think there is so i think that's a really profound uh, lesson thanks for sharing It's an absolute pleasure. So Action Tribe, if you're listening to this session right now, no matter where you are in space or time, whether you are in the year 2017, 18, 20 or 22 or beyond that, we are sharing a moment. And this is a beautiful thing. I have not met you, but I do know one thing about you, that you are driven by love. You are motivated and inspired by love, which makes you do things to attract more love. And it is the process of... of attracting love that inspires us to do great things and to reach new destinations but you know what i'm finding out each and every day reaching your vision or your goal isn't a straight line i wish it was you have ups and you have downs you have shortcuts and you also have issues that delay you and sometimes you may feel like you've lost all the progress you've made but just take 
a deep breath and realize that you are not the only one. Every dreamer goes through this because with each new day comes a new opportunity and a challenge and within each challenge is another opportunity. You just need to take time to notice it. What I'm trying to say is that ultimately you will reach your grand vision. You will experience the success that you are longing for, but you will get there at the right time, not a minute before or a minute after because if you reach there too soon sometimes your mind and your body might not be ready for it spirit always knows what is right for you you just need to trust and as barbara hall once said the path to our destination is not always a straight one we go down the wrong road we get lost we turn back maybe it doesn't matter which road we embark on maybe what matters is that we embark so kyle as on today what is your life's calling uh, my life's calling is is absolutely the work that i i do it's it's helping people i guess like i've like the journey i'm going through myself it's helping people f- find who they really are or unleash who they are and as i say it's all about defining that because i think for all of us that that is changing but i mm-hmm. believe that we are going through uh, an unprecedented time of change an enormous consciousness shift and i think at this time i think our physical structure is changing i think our Mm. our our spiritual selves are are changing my sense is that probably that more of our spiritual essence is going to be encased within the physical structure of the body so i think more of our dna is going to come online and as we go through this shift People are needing to move from being head centered to heart centered. That's often what, what people say, isn't it? So people are needing to get into that, that space of feeling and trusting that there is an, an innate wisdom within them, a soul, whatever you want to call it, that will guide them. So my calling is, is, is to help people to that space. What, what I believe is that... Um, it's that when people get ill with many of the of, of, of the conditions that I work with, is that 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 is a sign that there's some there's somehow blocked, they're somehow backed up, and they need a little nudge on the path to to allowing themselves to to be unleashed, if you will, because there is as I say there's a blockage in the flow of of who they are. So that in in essence, that's that's my my call. It's, it's it's unleashing people you know as we as we as a species as we as spiritual beings as we move forward on this planet as we take it to the next level we need to we need to be all getting in touch with our with who we are as individuals and allowing ourselves to flow well thanks a lot for sharing and with that we have arrived at the last round for today which is called the wisdom round And our listeners know that this round is all about taking notes and taking action. So, Kyle, what is the best advice that someone has ever given you on your journey? Uh, uh, do you know what? I think that um, a, a, a big influence on me was was a chap called Steve Rother, who is a channeler based in the States. And when I was young, uh, I was very sensitive and I knew that. But I, but as a man, I just viewed myself as a as a colossal pussy as a result of that, and I tried to hide it, and I tried to hide how I felt, which is that was basically it. But Steve Rother essentially told me to. He turned it on its head. Essentially, he said my sensitivity was awesome. He said your sensitivity is awesome. It's a strength. 
you should you should embrace it because it gives you an opportunity it gives you a good connection with the with the uh, uh, other side of the veil it gives you a a connection with with people and it it helps you do the work you do and make you uh, extremely good at the work you do and that i suppose embracing that part of me rather than sort of shunning that part of me i think was a catalyst for me really moving forward so name one personal habit that keeps you strong uh, one personal habit that keeps me strong going to the gym <laughs> lifting weights that keeps me strong in a, in a number of ways actually and it's interesting and I, I say that in a slightly joking kind of way but I, I, from a kid i've had a tendency towards having uh, a dd and so i find that my concentration goes you know reasonably easily and my my my, my focus can flip from one thing to the next but i i found that training at the gym and, and lifting weights is something that has helped me with discipline and, and focus so without doubt uh you know that is definitely kept me strong and what is your morning routine like now my morning routine it's, it's interesting really i mean i am married with two daughters uh they're 12 and 14 so they go to school so my my i try to keep a morning routine sort of loose-ish but it's based based largely based around them so i get up in the morning i I make them breakfast sometimes i cook the breakfast i make them lunch uh, and i pack them off to school i i don't really and then i i have coffee i don't it it, it's interesting i i know that people like tim ferris talks about the importance of a of a morning routine and i think yes there are certain things that people have for you know a streamlined process that makes them more effective at the, at the, the things that they do but one of the things i used to work as a psychologist in management consulting uh, and i found that when i left i, I thought i disliked the job and when i left uh, i realized i didn't dis- dislike the job but what i disliked was the fact that i i had a i got myself into a rut in terms of a morning routine i just did the same thing and i think an awful lot of people do this so i think there's a big uh, there's a big difference between a streamlined routine if you if you've decided that and you felt that and you've seen that something works for you and you do and you do it i think that's very different from a rut i think a lot of people get into ruts where they just do the same thing every day so i tend i've tried doing doing having that kind of thing where i get up and i meditate or i get up and i read a bit you know i mean this is after i've put my kids in you know on the bus to school but i i found that i tend now to really go with how i feel so you know i've because i've got that aspect of my morning set up for me when it comes to anything else you know i i tend to uh you know there's a number of things i, I i'll do i'll read meditate i'll go straight to my emails i may go to the gym first thing so there's a number of things i'll do but i generally go with how i'm feeling got it thanks a lot for sharing and name one book that you'd like to recommend for someone listening to the show right now it's funny because when i was thinking about this earlier i was looking at my bookshelf and i was thinking on the journey that i've been through there's i've got i've got so many books that that mean so much to me you know and they've all influenced at certain times i i I think one book that's probably sticks in my mind is a book called Change by Paul Watzlawick, and probably because it was the best therapy book that I read, it had the biggest influence on me from that perspective. But it's so difficult. There is, you know, I think every book 
book on my shelf that I'm looking at it now has had you know a pretty profound impact at some time and I, I always think that because because people often say that is there a book you recommend and I, I always have the sense that a, a, a book will call you if, if it's if it's the right time for you to to read it it will call you because I've, I've, I've got a friend and he's sent me books and I haven't read any of them it's, it's, it hasn't been the right time for me and I tend not to tell people what, what to read I say you know these these are books that you might want to feel into but you you, you know a, if, if a book is right for you at a right t- at a particular time it will call you so action tribe i know how much you love our book recommendations and i know that many of you get these books as soon as you hear them shared on the show and that's why audible.com is offering action tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out the service now in case you don't know audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your device including bestsellers like the chakra system by Anadia Judith, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. To start listening to your new book rather than just reading, uh, go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash free book for your free audiobook. So, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me today on today's session. Really enjoyed learning from you, learning your stories and uh, getting a new take on what stress is all about and how we can cope with it and uh, transform our lives. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and also tell us how we can find you online. Uh, well, thank you very much, AJ, for having me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Things that I'm grateful for, well, I'm grateful for the for almost everything, most days really. I'm particularly grateful for my wife and, 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 and uh, daughters. So that's probably the biggest thing. Uh, where you can find me, my website is Kyle Davis or Kyle Davis. Ease.net, I'm also on uh, Facebook as Kyle Davies EFC, the EFC being for Energy Flow Coaching, and also on Twitter uh, at Kyle L. Davies. So there you go, Action Tribe. In case you want to learn more, you stuck on so far and you love what was discussed today, uh, then you must go to kyledavies.net, K-Y-L-E-D-A-V-I-E-S. Dot net. We'll have the link up in the show notes as well. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the intelligent body and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you very much for having me, AJ. It's been a real pleasure. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.